chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. Sometimes when we have multiple verses, multiple passages, I, I'll put them up kind of one at a time. Um, but in this particular situation, I just want to go ahead and put both verses up because I want you to begin to think of all of the different statements in this verse as, as being connected, as, as being related to one another. If you read the Proverbs, you know that the Proverbs, especially the ones that were written by Solomon, is that most of them have kind of a pattern to them. It's kind of like, well, if this, then this, but if not that, then this, and, and, and you, know, you kind of develop that, that rhythm. And he's often taking two things that are opposite to one another and bringing them alongside one another to, um, to, to really help uh, distinguish um, you know, the truth that God's trying to emphasize in that proverb, in that word of wisdom from God uh, to us. If you think of it like you go to buy a diamond, one of the first things the, the jeweler will do is pull out a black velvet cloth and lay it on that glass case and then put the diamond on it because you take the, the rich black velvet, it, it'll cause the diamond uh, to, to be more emphasized. And so a lot of times that's, that's the pattern or the rhythm, if you will, of the Proverbs. And so Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I want you to see that these are certainly instructions that are related to one another, but we also see the opposite of trusting in the Lord with all your heart would be found in leaning to your own understanding. So if you're leaning to your own understanding, this is going to prevent you from trusting in the Lord with all your heart. If you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart, then you're not going to be leaning to your own understanding. Are you, are you seeing what we're talking about here? So think of that almost as, as two opposite ends of, uh, of a spectrum of options that, that we have, leaning to our own understanding or trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. In all your ways acknowledge him, the Bible says, and he shall direct your paths. Now, I want to quickly, if I could, um, do some review here, and we'll add a little more stuff in, and then we'll get to some brand new things that we haven't talked about yet. But we said that learning about trusting God is not the same as learning to trust Him. And, and that's, that's really important, because if you hear the Word and never do the Word, the Bible says you'll, you'll wind up deceiving yourself. So it can be very encouraging to learn about something, but if what you do never changes, then what you're experiencing in life is never going to change either. We said there's only one way to learn to trust God, and there's only one reason why we don't trust God. Now, I'm trying to make this as plain as I can possibly make it, as basic and as fundamental as I can possibly make it, because once we get this foundation laid, there's some things we're going to build on top of it. But we've got to get the foundation in place first. And so this is as fundamental as I know how to, to make this, at least as fundamental as I know how to make it now. Um, there's only one way to learn to trust God, and there's only one reason why we don't trust Him or why we don't trust God. Let's start with the one reason to learn to trust Him first. You learn to trust God by trusting Him. You learn to trust God by trusting Him. How about this? And it, as simple as I know how to make it, trusting Trust is something you do. Trust is something you do. 
Trust is something you do. Let me, let me see if I can say it this way. Have you ever heard the expression, skin in the game? Skin in the game. So many of God's children are trying to learn how to trust God without putting any skin in the game. If you have skin in the game, that's probably a worldly expression. I hope I'm not offending anybody. But the idea behind if you have skin in the game, that means you have something to lose. You've put something on the line. You're invested. When, um, remember Bernie Madoff, the largest Ponzi scheme in U.S. history, and lots and lots of people lost millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, if you didn't have anything invested with him, as a believer who loves other people, maybe your heart went out to those who did lose money, but it's not the same as folks who had skin in the game. And I have, I have a good friend that lost his entire retirement um, in, in that uh, situation. So we're trying to figure out how to trust God without putting anything on the line. We're trying to figure out and learn how to trust Him without any skin in the game. In other words, without anything to lose. You learn to trust God by trusting Him and there is no other way. Um, you learn to trust God more by trusting Him more. So if you want to grow in your trust of God, the only way to trust Him more than you trust Him right now is to actually trust Him more than you're trusting Him right now. Now, I said that there's only one way to learn to trust God and there's only one one reason why we don't. And the answer to why we don't is we do not trust God because we're afraid of what might happen if we do. So the one, the one reason why we don't trust God, and please don't, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, I'm not going to try to go back in it now, but it's amazing how we can try to spiritualize our fear. And we can make all these wonderful, elaborate, um, Sister Pam calls it spiritual mumbo-jumbo, right? Where, where you, you, just people saying all these things, when the reality of it is they're afraid. But they would rather talk about being a good steward, they would rather talk about using wisdom, they would rather talk about you know, this and that. Uh, instead of just the reality of it is they're afraid to trust God. They're afraid to trust Him. So there's only one way to learn to trust Him, that's by trusting Him, and there's only one reason why we don't. It's because we're afraid of what might happen if we do. So learning to trust God then means overcoming the sense of risk you feel when obeying Him. To overcome the sense of risk you feel when obeying Him. Michael Dye says this, Growth involves identifying your fears and moving towards them. You see, the devil is trying to use fear in your life to bully you. He's trying to use fear in your life to keep you from stepping out in faith and doing the things that God's instructing you to do. The only way to grow then as as one of God's children is to face the fears in your life instead of running towards them, running from them, move towards them. Now, God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. He's trying to lead you into your best life. He's trying to lead you into your best life. But you will never follow Him into your best life unless you trust where He is taking you. Now, this word lean, let's go back to the passage here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean means to rely upon or to support oneself. To rely upon or to support oneself. Again, I'm still reviewing. 
Amen. I don't apologize for that. We don't learn things the first time we hear them. The Bible doesn't say faith comes by having heard. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I think sometimes hearing doesn't start until the second time we hear something. Rarely do we ever hear what we need to hear the first time that we hear it, especially when it comes to something from God's Word because His Word contains manifold, multi-layered, multi-dimensional wisdom. So you can have memorized a verse 20 years ago and God show you something in it today that you've never seen before from a verse that you can quote from memory. So this is the Word of God. This is the wisdom of God. We also understand that I'm not the teacher in this room this morning. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is our teacher this morning. And as we, through what the Bible refers to as the foolishness of preaching, as I stand here and talk about the things that Father God's been talking to me about, the Holy Spirit now, uh, all those who will allow Him to, He's coming alongside you and He's wanting to show you some things and teach you some things and reveal some things that have been hidden uh, from you to you this morning so that it can make that uh, difference in your life. So when we lean to our own understanding, this means to rely upon or to support oneself by. You were never meant to be supported by your own understanding. You were never meant for your own understanding to be the foundation upon which your life is built. You were never, never, never meant to direct your own path. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the path to your best life is not found within you. You have to get it from an outside source. Now, I want to use an example this morning, and I really feel like the Holy Spirit prompted me to do this. And and so if He's prompted me to do it, it's going to work, okay? But I'm also aware that some of you in here are, let's say, not as computer savvy as some others who are listening to me right now. But a computer has something called a default setting. A computer has something called a default setting. In an Apple computer, you find that under preferences. In a Windows-based computer, I think you still find it under something called settings. And because a computer is designed to function many different ways and to perform many different functions, as the user of that computer, you have the opportunity to go into the inner workings of that computer and set the preferences to your uh, individual uh, use and need. And so when we talk about a default setting on a computer, are you still with me this morning? When we talk about a default setting on a computer, a default setting is how that computer will function automatically unless you select another option. We could say it this way. It's the go-to setting. I know on, on mom's computer, for some reason, it had a different printer than her printer set as the default printer. So anytime she would go to print something, that computer would try to print it on a printer that was not connected to her computer. We had to go into the settings and change her printer to the default printer. It was defaulting to another setting. It was defaulting to something entirely different than what she was wanting to happen when she pushed the print button. Are you following me? I'm trying. Some of you were like, come on, Pastor Mark, we got it 10 minutes ago when you said default, right? But so, just bear with those of us who may not be as computer savvy while I try to explain this because I'm wanting you to, to imagine, I want you to picture something ultimately in, in, in your mind this morning. So if you're going to change the default setting of a, of a of a, of a computer, you go into the settings, 
and you go to whatever setting you want to change, and there will be options there. And the one that it is currently defaulting to will usually have a little dot, and that dot will be filled in, and you take the pointer, the mouse, and you go over to that, and you either unclick that one, or you select the one you want, and you change that little dot. Okay? Now, every person in this room, you may not do anything with computers, but I'm talking about you as an individual, we also have default settings in our minds. We have default settings. It was how we automatically respond, how we automatically react, what we go to depending on the situation, depending on what we're dealing with, depending on who we're in front of, what have you. We have these default settings that we default to, and it becomes an automatic response in our lives, a go-to, if you will, response in our lives. And what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do is He's wanting to work together with, with the Word of God and, and, and you to change some of the default settings, some of the automatic responses, some of the automatic thoughts, some of the automatic emotions that result from those automatic thoughts in your life. And what we're talking about here now is real change. We're talking about not, not pretending like we trust God when we don't really trust Him, but, but literally the Holy Spirit going in and clicking a different setting, changing the setting. Now, here is, here is the default setting for most human beings, those who know God and those who don't. Most human beings, the default setting, the go-to setting, the automatic response, what they go to automatically in their lives is their own understanding. In other words, if, if we could pull up your inner man on a, on a screen this morning and, and navigate to the settings of your heart where trust comes from, we would find that most people on planet Earth, are you hearing me? Most people on planet Earth have the little button checked that says, my own understanding. When we're in a situation, we've got to figure out what to do next. The first thing we go to is our own understanding. When, when we've got to choose to do this with our money or that with our money, we, we go to what we trust, and the default trust setting in our heart is our own understanding and this is how we have, you know, learned to live our lives. We've learned to trust our own understanding. Now, last week I told you to make our own understanding more understandable, amen, is I want you to think of your own understanding as what makes sense to you, what seems right to you, and what feels safe to you. What makes sense, what seems right, and what feels safe. That is what it means to live by your own understanding. This is what it means to support oneself by their own understanding. It means you support. Your life is supported. You make decisions. You make choices. You, you decide what you're going to do based upon what makes sense, what seems right, and what feels safe. This, again, is the default setting to most human hearts. Amen. When, when it goes to their trust preferences. We prefer to trust our own understanding over anything else, over everyone else, including God. So we've got to change that default setting. We, we've got to let the Holy Spirit help us so that our first, our first uh, response is not what makes sense, what seems right, what feels safe, but our first response is, I'm going to trust God, so I've got to find out what God has already said about this situation in my life. 
I've got to find out what God has to say about my marriage. I've got to find out what God has to say about my children. I've got to find out what God has to say about my money. I've got to find out what God has to say about my future. I've got to find out what God has to say about my identity. I've got to find out what God has to say about these things. Because I'm not going to go with what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe every time. I'm going to go with what God says about this situation every time. Who are you trusting in when you're leaning on your own understanding? You're trusting in yourself. Leaning to one's own understanding is the default setting for trust. And as I've already explained to you, think of our own understanding as what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe to us. Now, see, we tend to avoid anything that feels unsafe, anything that feels like a risk, anything that seems dangerous, we tend to avoid it. So notice now, all the devil has to do to get you to avoid God's way of doing something in your life is to make it seem dangerous, to make it feel risky, to make it seem unsafe. It takes trust to obey when you don't understand. You will never willingly obey what does not make sense, what does not seem right, or what does not feel safe unless you trust the person asking you. We said last week that trusting God is the price of living your life on earth according to the higher ways of heaven. And that trusting God is the only way forward when it doesn't make sense and it doesn't feel safe. And if you ever learn to trust God, your life will, if you never learn to trust God, your life will always be limited to what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe to you. Are you hearing me? See, that's the thing about a default setting. It sets the limit on what that computer is going to do. It has, a computer can have all kinds of options, but it's going to go to the default setting every time unless you override it. Now, I want to take a minute to try to explain to you how we all wound up with a default setting of leaning to our own understanding. How we all wound up with this default setting of going going with what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe to us. When God created you and me, He created us to live in fellowship with Him, being led by His Spirit. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith, we live by faith, and not by sight. Again, these two things that are standing in opposition to one another so that we can understand the difference. As a matter of fact, if you want to know what it means to walk by faith, then understand what it means to walk by sight and do the opposite of that. So what does it mean to live your life by sight? To live your life by sight means to live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. To live your life by sight means to live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. But to live your life by faith means to live your life based upon what God has said to you regardless of how it looks, seems, or feels. So do you see why the devil is constantly trying to manipulate how, the, how, the, the, how things look, seem, and feel in your life? Because he's trying to use the way things look, seem, and feel to keep you from ever living your life the way God created you to live it. 
And because we are adverse, avoid risk, we are risk averse, we tend to stay away from risk. If the devil can make it seem risky, he's already got a, a vast majority of God's people going in a different direction. If you never learn to trust God, your life will always be limited to what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe to you. Please, please, please do not let... Man, I'm telling you, I know it in my own life. The Holy Spirit is breathing on that statement right there. He's wanting to open your eyes to something that you've been blinded to. He's wanting to show you something. The Lord asked me a question a few years ago. He said, don't you want to know what kind of life's on the other side? of the wall you keep hitting. God has so much more for us than what we've been experiencing, what we've, what we've been enjoying. But remember, He can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. Now, I want to, we, we could spend weeks on this. We're going to probably circle back around to at least a few of these things. But in the time that we have remaining this morning, I want to try to give you a practical overview of what we're talking about here so that, so that you can better understand this, but also so that you can better apply it to your life. All right? So I want to I try to give you some practical things. You might want to write some of this down. It's okay if you don't. I'm just making a suggestion, okay? I want to talk to you for a few, minute, a few minutes about God's ways. Or we could say it this way, about the higher ways of heaven. And I want you, as I go through this uh, overview list, this is by no means an exhaustive list. But I'm, I'm going to show you some of the really, really key ones, some of the really, really important uh, ways of God that we need to not only understand but be living our lives according to. But as we do that, I want you to pay attention as to how your own understanding is offended by these things. Are you still with me? Okay. All right. So we're talking about God's ways. Let's, let's start with a really big one, okay? This is God's way. Love everyone, even your enemies. I wasn't expecting many amens on that. That's okay. Love everyone. God's ways are always the ways of love. Because he is love. And he will never violate who he is. His instructions to you and me through his son, in the first public sermon that his son ever preached, was that we are to love and that anyone can love someone who loves them back. Anyone can be nice to someone who is nice to them first. Anyone can say hello and greet someone in the elevator if the person in the elevator who was there when you got on speaks to you. He asked this question. He says, what do you do more than everyone else? He says to not only love those who love you, but to love those who do not love you. To not just do good to people who do good to you, but to do good to people who do not do good to you. As a matter of fact, he said people who may even spitefully use you. He said don't curse someone who curses you. Bless someone who blesses you. Pray for those. Now, I'm, I, I could 
we, we could preach a series of sermons on that, but I'm not, that's not necessarily what I'm here to do this morning. I'm, more than anything, I'm wanting you to see how this is offensive to our understanding of how we do life. This is God's way. God's way is love, my friend. I, I don't think I need to, you know, spend two hours to, to show you that throughout many, many, many verses in the Bible. God's ways are the ways of love. And by the way, when he says love your enemy, he's talking about agape. Not philo is when you have warm, fond, affectionate feelings for someone. In the Greek language, the word for love there is agape. He's not talking about emotions. He's talking about you loving someone as an act of your will. Someone that if you, your feelings were driving you, you would want to choke them instead of do something good for them. But you love them because you can, because the Holy Spirit is inside of you pouring out the love of God in your heart for them, and you can let that love flow if you choose to, or you can shut it off if you choose to. But he says if you want to be like your Father in heaven then you love because he loves the just and the unjust. He causes his reign to fall on, on those who love him and on those who don't because it's the goodness of God that draws a man to repentance. He didn't say go one mile, he said go two. And that was referring to an ordinance in their day. A Roman soldier carried a heavy pack. He had gear, he had armament, he had all these things. And so by law... You could be sitting at a, at, a, at a cafe, you know, with your family having brunch and, and a Roman soldier could walk by and say, you, carry my pack. And by Roman law, you had to carry that man's pack for one mile. And people complained and griped and, and you know, so mad at this. And Jesus says, hey, if they ever asked you to go one mile with them, say, sir, could I carry it? another mile for you and tell you about my God. You see the difference here, right? All right, I got, see, I said I could talk all day about that. So God's way is to love everyone, even your enemies. Now, this doesn't make sense or seem right on many levels. And it certainly doesn't feel safe. See, we feel safe hiding behind our walls of hate. We feel safe hiding behind our walls of of imagining revenge. We feel safe talking about what we're going to do when we have the opportunity and how we're going to get even. See, all that seems right. All that makes sense. All that feels safe to us. But it's not God's way. And if you're ever going to live your life by God's way, you're going to have to trust that God knows best. You're going to have to, Matthew said it this morning, he, he says that he's our good shepherd, right, who's leading us to our best life. He prepares the table of God before you in the presence of your enemy. Do you realize that if you're going to sit down and eat from what God has put on His table for you with enemies who want to harm you, lurking behind you, you're going to have to trust God to take care of everything and everybody who's against you while you enjoy what He's put in front of you. We're trying to put one leg under the table and keep our our eyes looking back, reaching around, finding what we... That's not how it works. God's ways love everyone, even your enemies. How about this? God's way. This isn't my way. This is God's way. God's way is forgive everyone, even those who have spitefully used and mistreated you. See, God's ways are the ways of forgiveness. And the brain says, no way. The brain says, you can't do that. That'll never work. doesn't make sense, see. I, can't, I, I even hear people say, and listen, 
Don't say you can't, say you won't. But I have people tell me all the time, I can't forgive them. No, you can, you're just choosing not to. You're, you're not willing to change the default setting of, of your heart um, from get even to forgive. Amen. You see, God's ways are forgive everyone, even those who have spitefully used and mistreated you. God's way, are you ready? You've been bought with a price and your life is not your own to do with as you please. See, this doesn't make sense to us. It's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm my own man, Pastor Mark. I'm making my own way. I'm this. Well, how's that working for you? How about this? God's way is this. Honor him with the first 10% of your financial increase. It's called the tithe. This is God's way. Again, notice how this doesn't make sense. How can I prosper on less money when I'm struggling to make it on the money that I have right now? This doesn't seem right to me. This certainly feels very dangerous to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I even had somebody tell me the other day, you shouldn't be telling people this. Well, people might hear that and do that, and, and you're going to be responsible for them failing financially. You talk about leaning to your own understanding. I can't wait. I'm going to spend some time on this in the days ahead. I know I keep telling you that. We're going to do that right now. But we're going to do that in the days ahead, not right now. But let me just, let me just say this, okay? When a farmer plants a seed, he's participating in something that he knows is bigger than himself. And when a farmer plants a seed, are you ready for this? He's trusting. He's putting his trust in something he does not understand. He doesn't understand. The Bible says he plants the seed, he goes to bed, the, 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 the seed sprouts and it, and, it, and it grows and it produces harvest and he does not know how. He doesn't understand how it works, but he trusts. He trusts it. He passes to power when his expectation goes beyond what he understands. But notice now, if we're going to lean to our own understanding... If the farmer didn't understand that great increase comes from planting the seed, he would think God was asking him to go take food out of his children's mouths and bury it in the ground. Man, the Lord's told me, see, I've got to be careful here because I could go for two days right now and not even stop on this. But listen to me now, please. If you gave money in this offering this morning, you did not bury it. You planted it. We did not have a funeral. We had a planting. And we are not mourning the loss of the money that we gave this morning. We are celebrating the seed that we planted. And we are expecting a harvest in the future. And we rejoice. The money was not spent. You did not spend the money. Spending the money is different from planting the money. We spend money. We go buy something, and when you buy something, that, that not only cost you the purchase price, that cost you something called opportunity cost. Opportunity cost. Are you ready? That's the opportunity that you lost when you spent that money on something else to ever use that money for anything else again. Are you listening to me, please? When you spend something, it costs you the opportunity of ever spending that money again when you plant it it creates an opportunity for you to have more money in the future 
It's like that offering basket comes around. And it's like, it's like a, and I mean, listen, I've done this so many times with so many families. When I do a funeral, I've done hundreds of them. When I do a funeral, I say what I'm going to say at, at, the, at the funeral home, at the church. I don't preach for two hours with the family sitting there looking at their, the body of their loved one hanging over a six-foot hole in the ground. Next time that offering basket comes by, you quit looking at it like it's a grave. Drop your money in it. Well, they'll say goodbye to that one. It's not a grave. It's not a grave. It's fertile soil. Giving's not trying to figure out how to live with less. See, this is God's way. That don't make sense. It don't make sense. We don't understand this. This don't seem right. Matter of fact, it seems very scary. See, in addition to tithing, God's way is a lifestyle of generous giving. God's way is a lifestyle of generous giving. How about this? God's way is prefer others before yourself. When's the last time you've ever let a coworker have the best story of the day? They tell you something their grandkid did. And you can't wait for them to hush so you can tell them something better that your grandkid did. That's not God's way. It's okay if you let somebody else have the best story of the day. You can tell yours later. It's preferring. This is God's way. God's way is 100% honesty, integrity, and truthfulness 100% of the time. Years ago, I'm sitting there getting all my stuff together for my taxes. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out, well, you know, I guess we could probably claim this. I mean, I know it's really, I guess technically, you know, but I'm looking for loopholes here, you know. So. And as clear as a bell in my spirit, the Holy Spirit says this. He says, you don't have to cheat to win. You don't have to cheat to win. Why do we think we have to cheat to win? Why do we think we have to exaggerate for people to like us? Why, why do we think, are you, are, you, are you following me? Why do we feel like we, we can't be honest with people? And, and, and so we either don't say anything or what we say is not the whole truth. My friend, this is not the, this is not the ways of God. These are not God's ways. The lie originated with the devil. Lying is, is the devil's, uh, uh, he's the father of that. It's, it's not who you are, it's not, it's not who I am. You see, God's ways, 100% honesty, integrity, and truthfulness, 100% of the time. So let me see if I can wrap it up. Are you ready? And, and I'm just trying to take all that and condense it down into this. The path to your best, best life is a path of loving and forgiving. It's a path of tithing and generous giving. It's a path of humility and submission. And it's a path of honesty, integrity, and truthfulness. 
And the reality of it is this, you will never find or follow this path if your trust keeps defaulting to what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe to you. You see the stalemate that so many of God's people have found themselves in? We, we know there's more. We know there's better. We know that we can live on a next level. We know from the word of God that, that you know, we're on our way to our promised land, but we're not there yet. And yet it seems like it's that carrot in front of the donkey that we can't ever quite seem to get to. It's because as long as you default to what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe, that will be the limit that is set in your life. And it's not, I think it's 2 Corinthians, oh, forgive me for not knowing, 6, 7, 8, somewhere right around in there. Paul speaks to them. He says, you're being restricted, he said, but not by us. And certainly not by God. He said, you're being held back, you're being limited, you're being restricted by your own affections. What are affections? It's any thought that moves you emotionally. And affection, you know, some places it, 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 you know, it, it translates that word differently. And affection, we think of something that we are affectionate or some person we're affectionate about, but what is an affection? Affection is, a, is, a, is an emotion right, that, that comes from a thought. So when he says you're limited by your own affections, he's talking about not just anything you think. Obviously, whatever you think is important. Every thought is important according to the Bible. But the ones that really limit us are the thoughts that we have that elicit emotions. That's why your own understanding is not just what, what makes sense to you. That's logic and, and, and rationale and, and you know, these kinds of things. But it's more than that. It's what makes sense. It's what, see, now we're kind of crossing over that thought-emotion barrier. Makes sense. Mm, seems right. Feels safe. Feels safe. See, thoughts produce emotions. Emotions influence our choices. Jesus I'm out of time let me just if I could real quick like there's 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 certain things in our lives that that we celebrate there's there's a certain day a birthday an anniversary maybe you know the exact day you were born again and and you celebrate that Um, I have I have a lot of friends that have put addiction behind them once and for all and they can say you know 15 years ago you know I've been sober now I've been clean living for God 15 years these kinds of things all of, all of that is wonderful, but but listen to me. You you can't mark on a calendar the day you clicked the default setting. I'm going to live my life based upon what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe. You were created by God to live from your heart, being led by the Spirit. Faith is a function of the heart, living by faith. But when Adam sinned, he separated us all from God, and we lost our heart connection with God. Listen very carefully. I'll go quickly here. We lost our heart connection with God. And so just let, let's say someone loses their ability to see. They try to compensate for their loss of sight by learning to read with their sense of touch. Or someone loses their ability to hear. They 
they substitute the ability to hear with their ears by listening with their eyes, by reading lips, or by sign language. So in the same way, when we lost our heart connection with God, we substituted something in its place, our brain. Instead of living from our heart the way God created and intended for us to live, most people, even after we're born again and don't have to live that way anymore, our heart's been reunited, reconnected with God. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We have the Word of God, the witness of God on the inside of us. The default setting still hasn't changed. We still go with the brain. We still go with how, what makes sense, what seems right, what feels safe. Are you, are you following me now? See, the problem with that is your brain was never meant to rule you and lead you. It was never meant to be the, the, the dominant decision maker in your life because your brain has been designed by God as an organ of survival. You've been here, uh, I don't know, hour and a half now, and you haven't had to remember to breathe a single time. Your brain's done that for you. See, your brain is, 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 is been equipped by God to keep you alive. So notice now, anytime the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you about following the ways of God for your life, your brain tries to override it and say, no, 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 that's risky. That tithing business is dangerous. And, and so notice now, we tend to go with the brain because, because that's how we've lived. So I'm going to go back to where I began. There's, you can't go like to a day and say, you know, on this day, you know, July the 14th, 1982, I made the decision from this point forward in my life to live according to what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe to me. It's just, it's just that's, that's how it developed. That default setting has developed in us over time. If that default setting, though, is ever going to change, you're going to have to change it, write down the date that you changed it, and every time the devil tries to default you back to that, go, no, I don't live by that anymore. I live by a new default setting. Now, I don't have time to do it this morning. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. But, but the fruit, I've said this to you before two weeks ago. I said this to you. And now we're back here again. The fruit of trust is knowing. The fruit of trust is knowing. What do we mean by that? You will come to know things through the doorway of trust that you will never know any other way. You learn to trust God by trusting Him, and guess what? When you trust Him, you find out you can. (laughs) Some of you never paid your tithes in here. You're like, why does that man keep bringing that up? Notice I always bring it up after the offering basket's passed. I'm not trying to shame you or guilt you or manipulate you into giving a penny here. Matter of fact, please don't ever give a penny here if that's the motive of your heart for giving it. That's not that's not what this is about. But I'm 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 trying to help you um see again it's very easy for us to say we trust God, but if we're not following through on Amen. But if you ever pay your tithes consistently had somebody trying to talk, tell me the other day that it wasn't for today. And I'm like, well, here's all the verses that say that it is for today. But let me tell you something. Let me just, because obviously this is a person who has never trusted God with a tithe. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying, if you've ever trusted God with a tithe and experienced the benefit of tithing, then you're a tither. Right? 
But how, how did your eyes become, how did it go from something that seemed scary and risky to you to something that you can't wait to do and is enjoyable for you? His trust provided a perspective on it that you can't have any other way. You'll never know it the way you need to know it until you know it by trusting and seeing from the result of trusting. So this, is, this was my answer to that, to, that, to that gentleman. I said, sir, I said, let me see if I can say it to you this way. If you could, but you can't, but if you could prove to me that tithing is no longer required under the New Testament, I would petition God and ask him to let me do it anyway, please. <laughs> you see the difference there? See, a default setting has changed for me on that. Do you, do you? Okay, all right. Father, you're good to us. We love you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, you're here and you say, Pastor Mark, I've never trusted God for my salvation. I've never, I've never trusted the most important thing I could ever trust Him with, and that's my eternity. If I was to leave this earth today, I don't know if I would go to heaven or hell, but I want to know Jesus. I want to know Him. I want Him in my life and in my heart. I want Him calling the shots in my life from this day forward. Is anybody like you say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Would you pray for me? Anybody? Anybody? So, Father, that means everyone in this room knows you. Everyone in this room has their names in the Lamb's Book of Life, seated with you in heavenly places. So, Father, I know I've got the right bunch this morning. Help us change that default setting in our hearts, Father. Lord, where we don't just automatically go with what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe. But, Father, we, we step back from it. We, we ask you what, do you, what, what does your word say? We ask you, what is the Holy Spirit leading us to do? We ask you to direct our paths and trust you to do it instead of what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe. Lord, I know I've said those three words way, 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 a whole bunch of times, maybe too many times for some folks this taste this morning. But Father, I feel like that's what you're really wanting us to swap and, and see and become aware of. So thank you for helping us do it, Lord, not just while we're here together, but as things unfold in our lives throughout the week, Lord, Holy Spirit, make us aware of, of how we just automatically go with what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe when you have a better option for us. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for all the men and women that these men and women are touching and reaching for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. Blessings on you and yours. Amen.